This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Let's open our Bibles uh, again to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I say again because uh, a couple weeks back when we were together, I was teaching about understanding your enemy. And um, some people, you know, they don't, well, some people aren't even aware they have enemies. Well, maybe they do. I don't know. But anyway, uh, you know, to, uh, it's just something that's important for us to understand in terms of uh, the way we do life. And uh, I wish that everybody was so kind and wonderful, but um, the, the reality is, is that we live in a sin-sick world, and uh, that causes lots of problems uh, in people's lives. But thank God if you've been redeemed. Everybody say, I've been redeemed. You know, if you're a child of God and you've been redeemed, praise God, you get to live on a different plane, huh? You don't have to live, as Paul described, in the weak and beggarly elements of this world. Thank God we can live above those things because the Bible says when Jesus talked about, I mean, what it is that Jesus did is so wonderful in his coming so that you and I could experience the indwelling presence of God. He said, I'll come and I'll make my home in you, hallelujah. And I'll teach you and I'll bring things to your remembrance and I'll guide you and I'll, I'll do all of these things. And he does it as a result of his indwelling presence. But that indwelling presence also empowers us to be able to live victoriously or successfully, however you wanna describe it. But he has enabled us to be able to live above the things that so much of the world find themselves embroiled in. Aren't you glad for that tonight? I'll tell you what, glory to God. Everybody say, I'm on the winning side. Yeah, you're on the winning side. Now, a lot, of, a lot of Christians haven't got that figured out yet, but I guess that's why we teach and preach the Bible, amen? To help people come to know that. And you have to believe that. And a lot of times, you know, again, folks will, you know, they'll have a tendency to judge what it is that's being told to them or what's being said on the basis of their own personal experience, okay? In other words, it's kind of like, you know, well, I know you say that and this and that and the other, but this is what I got going on. Well, what you need to realize is, is that what's being said, I mean, if it's biblical, is true. And what needs to happen is, is we need to begin believing that. And when we do, then the things that we may be currently experiencing change, because things are subject to change in this temporal world. And if we'll choose to be a doer of the word, glory to God, and not a hearer only, then life will be different, amen. And all of us can attest to that at some level within your life. You know that 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 you practice where the Bible is concerned brings blessing to you. How many of you can agree with that? And so we just gotta, you know, and we're all at different stages of spiritual growth and development. None of us have arrived. I mean, you know, uh, it's like I was reading this uh, uh, newsletter. I think it was uh, D.L. Moody that made uh, this statement. I, I may not get this right, but the essence of it was is that uh, Moses spent 40 years um, thinking that he was it. And then he spent 40 years thinking and realizing he wasn't it. And then he spent another 40 years recognizing what God can do with us 
that are nothing. You know, I mean, I didn't say that very well, but you get the point. So <clears throat> thank God for what he's doing in all of us. The Bible says that we're to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. The work that he has begun in you, he will complete if you'll let him. Hallelujah. And uh, we want to let him, don't we? Glory to God. And be everything he wants us to be. So, 1 Corinthians, or did I say 2 Corinthians? 2 Corinthians chapter 10 is the uh, uh, verse that I'd like for you to turn to. And let's pray together and we'll just get into what I want to share with you. Father, we, uh, we're so grateful, Father, for your blessing in our lives. We, we come to recognize, Father God, in all of our lives that without you we can do nothing. But with you we can do all things. So again, Father, for these few moments we have uh, this evening, Father, open up the eyes of our understanding. May we have eyes to see and ears to hear. Father, I thank you for revelation knowledge, truth to be revealed, freedom to be experienced, deliverance to be made uh, a reality. And I just thank you, Father, for it in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. I'll share a... Uh, a testimony with you. Um, John and I were away for a few days and um, um, we got called back uh, for a funeral. Um, and uh, so uh, we, we came back and had this funeral for an individual. And, uh, and uh, the, the testimony that I want to share in this is simply that, you know, a lot of times in funerals and things, you know, there's it's all kinds of emotions and things of that nature. But what I have to report to you that is so wonderful, that in that service, we know at least six people that gave their hearts to Jesus as a result of just sharing the gospel. And, uh, you know, the, the, we, we, we live in a fallen world, no question about it, but we live in a broken world. And there are people, you guys, that are just broken. That's the only way I know to describe it. It isn't what they intended. It isn't anything in terms of what they planned for. But somehow or another, life has taken them down this road. And, and the reality is, and that's why there's such incredible hope in Jesus, you know, because he can take our broken lives and heal them and repair them. I mean, only Jesus can put Humpty Dumpty back together again. You know what I'm saying? So it was a really, uh, a real privilege, actually, to, to be able to share and uh, and to at least make an effort to bring some comfort to that family uh, with the loss of their loved one. So, praise God. So, let's look at this verse of Scripture together. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, even though we're living in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Everybody say the word war. war. See, the reason I want to I bring this up to you because... You know, Paul in this writing is, is implying and making reference to the fact, to the fact that we are in a conflict, okay? Why would he otherwise use this word, okay? So it says, even though we walk or live in the flesh, our warfare or the war that we're involved in, as he says in this scripture, is not after the flesh, okay? A, a, a war after the flesh would be described or would look something like this. It would say, I'll tell you, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind, you know, or I'll tell you, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that. That's, that's after the flesh, you know. I'm going to, 
you know, get my pound of flesh or whatever the case might be. But even though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now notice what he goes on then to say in verse 4, because the weapons, now everybody say weapons, the weapons, so we're talking about warfare and we're talking about weapons. He said the weapons of our warfare are not, <coughs> excuse me, uh, carnal or fleshly or of the flesh, but rather they are mighty. What's the next two words? Say that again. Through God, they are mighty. These weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Hallelujah. If you've lived in a household that is full of hate or strife or whatever, that becomes a stronghold within that household that controls and drives behavior. With me? So when he says, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh because the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but they are mighty through God to pull down strongholds. When I got saved, my life changed. And when it changed, it changed because I began to make decisions to be a follower of Jesus and to act and respond and behave in accordance with what it is that he had told me or how he had told me that I should live. You with me? So <clears throat> the, 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 the weapons that we use are to pull down strongholds, to bring about changes in our lives where there was dominance before. Okay, let's go on reading in this verse of scripture here. Notice it says in verse five, casting down, what's, what's the next word? Imaginations in the King James. Some of your Bible translations will say reasonings, you know. Take you back to the household full of hatred or the household full of strife. A lot of times it's because of, you know, people play the blame game. You know, it's never my fault. And all that is is nothing more than part of the old sinful nature of Abraham, or not Abraham, but Adam. You know, he took on the nature of the God of this world, and when, when God came and approached him about asking him what happened, he said, well, it's the woman that you gave me. So number one, he says, it's not my fault. It's her fault and your fault because you gave me her, and she did all this. That's called blame, not me. One of the biggest problems that we have in the world today is people's failures to take responsibility. They don't want to own anything, because my God, it couldn't be my fault. I mean, come on. I mean, we're talking about me, you know? My goodness, what are you thinking? But I'm telling you that these are things that become established in people's behavioral patterns where it's not me, man. I didn't do it. It's them. If they would have this, you know, and so they never look in the mirror to ask themselves the question, is there any possibility that I might have something to do with this? With me? Uh, and, and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more. Sometimes you got to kind of, you go, go easy on these things, you know, with folks, you know, and just kind of, you know, ease them into it, you know, hallelujah. Casting down imaginations or reasonings which exalt themselves against the knowledge of God 
and then bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Hallelujah. The weapons of our warfare. So I mentioned to you about talking again about understanding your enemy because we're engaged in a spiritual battle and it requires spiritual weapons. Now I'm not talking about finding a devil sitting on every you know, doorknob or behind every you know, a bush or anything of that nature. But I do think that it is important for us to be equipped with the knowledge or the understanding, you know, of, of um, what it is that we're contending with. Um, let's talk about a spiritual person. And let's say that they uh, uh, are, attack might not be the right that may be too strong, but let's just say that there is some very demeaning things that get said to them that aren't even true, okay? So a spiritual person is faced with a decision at that moment of either perhaps uh, defending themselves or, you know, as the Bible says, a soft answer will turn away wrath. Okay, so the spiritual person might say, well, I'm not, you know, please understand, I'm, I, I'm not sure how you came to that conclusion, but um, it, that's not true. You, you understand where I'm coming from. Instead of getting right back in the grill of someone else and saying, who do you think you are, accusing me of blah, 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 blah. Okay, in other words, you know, Jesus made the statement that we need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, okay? So don't stick your foot in a bear trap, dude, you know? That's all I'm saying. You say, yeah, but by golly, I've got my rights. Well, if you want to live that way, that's great, but I'm telling you what, it's no way to live. Are you with me? And I'm not saying that this is generally or, or necessarily an easy thing. I, I believe that as you grow in grace that it does become easier, okay? Because, because you, you, you come to learn, you see what it is that's coming your way, and you go, well, no, uh-uh, we're, we're not going down that path, you know? Are you with me? And, and we, hopefully, we're growing. So, so <clears throat> here's the thing, you know, these are, the, these are simple examples of this, but, you know, really, you know, if I put it as simply as I know how, if you, don't know how, if you don't know that you're in a spiritual battle or believe that you're in one, or you don't understand the weapons that are to be used in that battle, you have no chance of winning. You got nothing that is gonna help you in a situation. You're just gonna go from being banged around from pillar to post. But thank God it doesn't have to be that way. Aren't you glad? And this is really important. You know, you talk about interpersonal relationships that you have with immediate family, extended family, or just, you know, associates, people, whoever it is that you're working with, all of these things are important. You know, um, John Maxwell, he wrote a book, Four Things That Seminary Never Taught Me. Well, I didn't go to a, a seminary. I went to a Bible school, but there was a lot of things I didn't get taught. They, they gave me a little theology, gave me a certificate, and said, adios, amigo. You know, have fun. But I mean, how to relate to people, how to deal with people, how to, I mean, all of that. Uh, all, all I knew is what I, you know, 
had for myself, and, and I was deficient, okay? So these are things that we learn, you know, and uh, you become a lifelong learner instead of, you know, just, well, anyway. See, here's the thing you have to understand, you guys. You know, as a child, as a kid growing up, um, <clears throat> spiritual things were not a priority in our home. As a matter of fact, they were absent. It didn't exist. It wasn't a conversational uh, uh, part of our lives in any way, shape, or form. Now, I was made to go to Sunday school, and I was faithful, you know, because of my mother primarily. I got all the pins to prove of my attendance and all of that, you know. But, <clears throat> but we weren't spiritual people. So there was no premium or value placed on spiritual things. And I'd like to suggest to you that there is no greater priority in a person's life than their relationship with God and spiritual things. So I was totally inept, totally void of any of that. I mean, it just, it didn't exist. And when you're, when you're in that, and you guys, many of you, you know this, I mean, when you're in it, you don't know any different. You don't know any better. You don't know that it should be important, you know, because you're living within the environment or the association that you have. And so you say, this is the way we do life. You know, we drink beer, smoke, fight, do whatever, you know. I mean, all of these different kinds of things that people find themselves living in. And so, like I said, with us, you know, spiritual things weren't even acknowledged. It's kind of like... Um, um, well, let's just take some occupation. Let's get out of the, the spiritual side of things, and let's just talk about careers or jobs or whatever. You know, like we live in an agricultural society, so there are people out there that farm. Well, you know, there are some farmers that are very good farmers, and there are other farmers that are very poor farmers, okay? They may be lazy. Um, maybe they're not very diligent about things. They don't get after it when they need to, and they're not disciplined about making sure, you know, or maybe it's a, you know, whatever. I, I, I don't know. You know, uh, there are a lot of different things that go into this. But if you're going to have a career or you're going to have an occupation or something like that, you, you need to know your stuff. You need to learn the things that can make what it is you're doing successful. And the more you know, the more valuable you become. I mean, that's just, you know, kind of the whole deal. Are you with me? And so, uh, um, so when you start talking about priorities in life, you know, and one of which being careers or whatever the case might be or his job, you know, you need to, well, like for example, if you get into a situation and you need an attorney, do you want a good one or a poor one? Okay, choose wisely, my friend. You know, I mean, um, so, so that whole dynamic becomes important. Um, you know, my wife and I were just talking about this. When I first got saved, and don't, don't, don't judge me on this, okay? All right? Because it was a mistake of the head, not the heart. But the Bible says the just shall live by faith. So I decided that I was just going to live by faith and God was going to bring me bread and flesh in the morning with the ravens and bread and flesh in the evening by the ravens. Guess what? No ravens showed up, neither did any blood or flesh. Or, 
Yeah, that. You know, <clears throat> I had to go all the way to Brookings, South Dakota for a guy to tell me that if you don't work, you're not going to eat. Okay? And that if you don't provide for your own, you're worse than an unbeliever. Okay? Well, okay, so it takes a little while for things to penetrate where I'm concerned. But like I said, put down your rocks because there's probably things, you know. You know, the thing about it is, is I loved Jesus. But I was misguided in my understanding of what it meant to, to, to live by faith. Because God blesses the work of your hand. And you know, the thing is, is a lot of times people in the Christian community, they think that God is going to rain this thing down out of heaven. But the reality is, is that there is a, a conduit or a method in which that is going to happen and you are involved. And when you get, you talk to people, lazy people, I didn't say you, they're not here tonight, okay? They miss this service. But when, you, when you're talking to lazy people and, and, and you communicate to them that God wants to provide for all of your needs, that his promises are great, and God is a God of miracles and all of these different, I mean, you know, these are all fundamentally true kinds of statements. But if, you, but if you judge what's being said through the filter of, I don't really want to work anyway, so if I mean God's going to bring it to me, then I'm good. And nothing happens. So hopefully you grow to the place of understanding that you have to be a participant. There's a Godward and a manward side to the whole thing. Are you with me? So God can bless you greatly, and not only that, he wants to bless you greatly. Uh, we see people like Abraham and different ones in the uh, Old Testament, and even in the New, you know, they put their hands to things, and God blessed, the, again, the work of their hands. So, so let me ask you this question this evening. You're kind of going off on a different trail here, but, you know, when it comes to your life, what are the most important priorities for you to know and to practice. Because I guarantee you, as you get older, you'll see things differently. Your ambitions of your youth, and when you get to be my age, are different. Relationships, family, things of that nature, all become much more important than anything else. Are you listening to me? But you know, when you're young and ambitious, and you know, and you're gonna change the world, and I'm all for the world being changed, it needs changing. But, you know, I think it's important for us to really think about what are the most important priorities that we need to know in our lives and practice. Because like I said, as a teenager, I was clueless when it came to spiritual things. And that's because I'd grown up in an environment where it was not a priority. As a matter of fact, it wasn't even thought about, but I sure wished it would have been. I mean, true, accurate, biblical knowledge you know, that's why I thank God for our church. I'm not bragging about me, but I'm telling you what, this is a great church. And people hear the word of God every week. Our children are hearing the word of God every week. And, and they're learning who God really is. And that he's a good God, that he's for them and on their side and wants the best for them. Hallelujah. So <clears throat> what are the most important priorities for you? I mean, with regard to spiritual things. Knowing God, I don't know. I think that ought to be number one, okay? Well, what about your career? You know, your job, your skill set, your trade. 
Where is that in, in, in you know, a place of priority? Because you got to work. You got to do something. Huh? Now, you know, right now we've got a great program with the government. Everybody living off the government. We're just going to hand you money. Listen, that gravy train is coming to an end. You can be sure of that. Are you listening to me? You know, I mean, the whole thing is wrong with on lots of different levels. It's unsustainable. Maybe that's a better way of putting it. You know, um, that's just not going to happen. Uh, what about interpersonal relationships, relational skills? You know, you know, when you get referred to as a bull in a china shop, maybe there's some things we need to fix. You know what I'm saying? You know, you say, well, I don't know. I don't know. Get some good books. There's books out there, how to be a people person. You know, there's different things that, that, that can help you to understand that you're not the only person on the planet. Just a thought, you know. But like thinking about marriage, you know, when we talk about interpersonal relationships, I didn't know how to treat my wife. I apologized to her at least probably, well, once a month would probably be. I am ashamed at what I didn't know. It isn't that I didn't want to treat her right or anything of that nature, you know. She was a homecoming queen, and I didn't even go to the dance with her. I'm an idiot. You know what I'm saying, you know? And, and, but I didn't know. Nobody taught me. I was not taught how to treat a woman. And I would venture to say that even today, you know, a lot of, all you get is what you see in the models that you have in front of you, and a lot of them, they ain't very good. Nobody ever sat down to me and talked to me about that. You know, when it comes to parenting, you know, we got, we got parents today that don't have a clue how to parent, and it's obvious in their behavior of their kids, okay? Now, you could say, well, what's the matter with them? <laughs> they're one they're a person like you <laughs> you know they just they don't know that's why i you know if i was going one of the things we did i mean we went to uh seminars conferences to learn how to parent we picked up good books we read them you know about two fundamentals with with regard to parenting is love and control you know and you know that that expands in a lot of different ways and things of that nature but but we, we sought to discover those things so that we would be good parents. Were we perfect? Nope. Did we do everything right? Nope. But you know what? We got three kids that all love Jesus and they're all serving in the kingdom. So I think, I don't know, you know, turned out halfway decent. You with me? And they married godly people and they got great families and things of that nature. Now, maybe that's not your case, and I'm not here to throw rocks or anything like that, but I'm just saying that wherever we are, let's pick it up and you know make it right as best we can to redeem whatever it is that's available for us to redeem. Does that make sense? You know, and uh, even like the priority of the work of God, I think my son, I haven't listened to the message, but I heard that it was a great message, you know, about uh, our engagement, our involvement, you know, within the, the kingdom of heaven, the things of God, the church of God. You know, again, nobody ever, nobody said anything to me about the church and uh, how important it is. But I tell you what, this place is important. It is wonderful that you are bringing your children so that they can hear the word of God and be influenced by it. 
Are you with me? It's a priority with you. Hallelujah. And I believe that God will bless you as a result of that. Here's the thing. You know, when we come to understand the Word of God, the Bible, for example, um, teaches us about the law of sowing and reaping. Everybody say law. It's a law. Now, the problem we have today is that we have lawless and disobedient people. They're being told there is no law. You know, you're, you're, you're the big deal, and you can live and do whatever it is you want to do, however you want to do it, and um, uh, no absolutes. You can just do what you want. There's no rules. And I'm telling you what's going to happen, you guys. You watch, and you already see it. Their lives will be destroyed. They will absolutely be destroyed because they come under no authority. And so they just, you know, the Bible says that where there is no redemptive revelation or no vision, people run wild. They go crazy. They cast off restraint. Actually, the King James says where there is no vision, the people perish. And that's exactly what happens. You know, because they, you know, but the, but the reality is, that there is a divine law of sowing and reaping. You know, uh, when Paul was writing, he said, listen, don't be deceived because God is not mocked. You see all this stuff going on in government and different people doing what? Listen, there is a, a recompense uh, coming for people with regard to what they've chosen to to um, espouse to and things of that nature. He says, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You know, he that sows to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption. He that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Hallelujah. I like that everlasting life part, amen? Praise God. So, uh, I, I read this... Uh, that's probably back in, let's see, maybe August. Uh, this come from a guy by the name of Stephen Scott. He makes a statement, just as there are physical laws that govern the physical universe, Solomon in his book of Proverbs reveals laws of living, how we're to live. And it says that invisibly govern all aspects of life. And he went on to say, it doesn't matter how you feel about these laws or whether you love them, hate them, whether you choose to ignore them or not, these laws, laws of living still exist. And really he's talking about the laws of God, right? They still exist and they will govern your life. Huh? So, so our ambition and pursuit needs to be, God help me to get in line with what you said. Because I want to bless, praise God, and I want to obey you. And because that's where the blessing of God is, the law of obedience to God. And so <clears throat> um, the fact is, is getting back to our, our, our subject or theme here is, is that there, there's this simple fact. We have an adversary, all right? And, and the, the truth is, is that this adversary is beat is beyond the bounds of what you can see in the natural, even though we see his dirt manifested in the natural, okay? But it, it's beyond the bounds of the natural or the temporal side of life. I'll give you a few scriptures. You can maybe just write these down. I'll just quote them to you. 
But the first one is 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3, okay? Where the Apostle Paul says, in whom the God of this world, the God of this world, listen, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of those that do not believe. He said, well, first of all, he said, if our gospel's hid, it's hid to those that are lost. That's verse 3. In whom, talking about lost people, in whom the God of this world has blinded their minds. Oh, I don't believe that. There's no truth to this whole faith business, you know. People that are weak, they need a crutch. They need religion. They need whatever. <laughs> Listen, let me tell you something. I don't care who you are. You need God, and you need it big time. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of those that don't believe so or lest the glorious light of the gospel should shine unto them. Okay? So that tells us we have an adversary, wouldn't you say? There's another verse of Scripture in John 10. 10, Jesus said, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. And that's what the devil does. But I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I want to play by God's rules because I know, praise God, that that's where the victory is. Jesus was talking about the devil. He said he was a murderer from the beginning. We know the whole deal about Cain and Abel and uh, how that uh, Cain took Abel's life. So he says he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for or because he is a liar huh? and the father of lies. Jesus stripped the devil of all authority in the life of a believer, and he put your foot on his neck. Did you hear me? So the only weapon or strength or whatever it is that he has against the believer is deception. You know? And what do we fight deception with? We fight it with the truth. Isn't that right? And, and so um, there's more that we could say about that, but anyway. And then 1 Peter chapter 5 and verses 8 and 9, you can write this down. And it says, uh, it says um, be careful for nothing, but in everything. No, that's not the right one. Be sober. That's right. Be vigilant. Be sober. Be vigilant. What does that mean? That means I ain't putting my foot in the bear trap. Okay? You know, you want to fight? You're going to go find somebody else to do it with because I'm out. All right? Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary. And then he describes who it is. The devil. Huh? Walks about as a roaring lion, didn't say he was, but he, he acts like it. Seeking whom he may devour. 
Didn't say he could, but he's looking. You know, the whole story about Job. You know, and, he's, and God says, where you been? He says, been roaming around the earth. He says, hey, checked out my servant Job. He said, yeah, I know all about him. You take your blessing off of him and he'll curse you to his face. And God says, no, he won't. And so you know the whole story and things like that. But anyway, he seeks whom he may devour. Now notice the next verse. Whom resist, resist, whom resist, steadfast in the faith. What, what's that mean? Resist him in what you know to be true in the word of God. The devil says you're not going to make it. You just tell him, listen, I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above and, and, and not beneath. Glory to God. Jesus has made me more than a conqueror. What do you mean I'm not going to make it? I already did. Jesus provided me a way of escape and a place for victory. So you combat the lie with the truth. Resist him. Now, here's another thing about that, and I don't think a lot of people uh, in the Christian community understand this, but you have to speak. You have to say now, I'm not saying you do this in the middle of the public. People think you're nuts, and you would be. Okay, but if you need to, you go someplace where there isn't anybody, and you have a conversation with the devil, and you let him know in the name of Jesus that he is under your feet. That makes sense. Okay, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the what? The what? The word of our testimony. Okay, <clears throat> so whom resist steadfast in the faith, listen, knowing, knowing that the same afflictions, tests, trials, are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Don't ever believe the lie that nobody's got it as bad as you. I will guarantee you somebody's got it worse than you do. But that's the way the devil works. You know, pity parties are his claim to fame. He loves a pity party. And he wants to tell you how bad you got it and discourage you with that and try to get you to just quit and give up. Is this helping anybody? Well, thank God we're not going to listen to him. See, for me as a believer and as a pastor and even as just a simple human being or as a husband or as a father or whatever, I, I am not, I cannot afford the luxury of playing into the hand of the enemy. Are you listening to me? You know what I mean by that. You know, I can't afford uh, the luxury of playing into the hand of my enemy by being controlled by my emotions. And a lot of people are. You know, we live in an emotional world. And, and, um, and I'm all about emotions, you know? Love is an emotion, it's wonderful, it's great. Joy is an emotion, it's great, you know? All, I mean, that's all well and good and everything. <coughs> Excuse me. But when these things come against us like that, that, that are, they're endeavoring to elicit a different kind of emotion, there's something called self-control which is one of the characteristics or the fruit of the Spirit that you and I need to employ right then and there. Temperance, self-control, you know? 
In other words, I don't just react to something that comes my way, but I respond in a biblical kind of way. Remember when they wanted to stone that girl that was uh, taken in adultery? And man, they're badgering Jesus, man. I mean, they're all over his, I mean, they're, they're in his stuff, you know, and he never said anything. You notice that? And they just kept at him, man. I mean, they're just chewing on him. They want a response. He never said anything. The Bible tells us, from what we understand, he, he, he knelt down and began to write in the dirt. We don't know what he was writing, but he was doing something. Probably writing the sins of these clowns that were, you know, whatever. But then he finally, he just, you know, he got a word from heaven. I knew it. I, I, I just knew he got a word from heaven. He says, well, listen, he that's without sin among you, 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 you get it started. And the Bible says that each one of them, from the greatest to the least, being convicted by their own conscience, put down their rocks and walked away. But my point to that is, is the way Jesus handled it. Sometimes, you know, we would just jump right back in the middle of it, and then we're playing the devil's game. You with me? Now, <clears throat> a little side journey. Go, go over to uh, 2 Timothy, and this will be applicable uh, to what we're talking about here. So, you know, you, say, you ask yourself the question, you know, well, well how, am I gonna, how am I supposed to do this? I think part of it is just making the decision, making the decision, making the decision, I am not going to play into the hand of the devil anymore. And you have every right to do that. You know, let's just say you got someplace, somebody in a workplace and they're less than <laughs> lovely, okay? And, and you're, you know, it's a constant kind of thing. And it's irritating. Um, it's emotionally upsetting. It's, you know, however you want to describe it. But, but you have to, see, the thing about it is you have to realize that these things are set on fire of hell. They're designed you know, I, I like what one minister said about, you know, the devil and his operations is, is that he sees your life and he walks around your life and he looks at your character. And all he's doing is walking around and looking for a place of weakness. And then he says, this is where we're going in. And so then he targets you, you know, brings somebody along and does the thing to try to get whatever it is that's going on. You know, I mean, you with me? We're talking about a spiritual battle that we're engaged in. You got to see it for what it is. And you just got to say, I am not going to have anything to do with that. Are you with me? I remember, you know, as a young minister and Joan and I are just getting started and things like that. I mean, the opportunities to compromise, the opportunities to, to um, um, fudge. You know what I mean by that? I mean, just uh, not cheat, but yeah, kind of, you know. People will come, well, you know, what's a big deal? Well, it's a big deal because it's not right. You know, no, ain't going to do that. The Bible says that we're to provide things honest in the sight of all men. We're going to tell the truth. We're going to do what's right. We're going to take the high road. 
it's le there's less traffic up there anyway. Are you with me? You know? And, and today, you know, there's all this, you know, shucking and jiving and junk. And it's no wonder that people's lives are screwed up. But it doesn't have to be that way. And it, it does take discipline. It does take uh, diligence, you know. And, and um, um, I mean, case in point. I remember one time somebody wanted to give the church some money. Well, you know, when you ain't got a whole lot of money, anybody that wants to give you some, you get kind of excited. But there were strings attached to the money because they wanted this and this and whatever it is that they wanted, you know, at the time. I don't need to get into that. And it was a sizable amount of money. Okay, it wasn't just chicken feed here. Okay? And so, um, you know, that can be tempting, right? And so, you know, I just had to tell him, I said, you know, I, I genuinely appreciate your willingness, you know, to help us in our endeavor. Uh, it was, we were in a building program or something, you know, at the time, maybe remodeling. And I said, uh, but uh, I said, uh, I can't um, receive what it is that you're offering to us with these conditions. And so, I, I, again, thank you so very much, but, but if, in fact, that's the way that this is, you, you need to keep your money, you know? Well, as it turned out, they didn't, and they gave the money, and they helped the church, and whatever the case might be. But do you see my point? You know, that, that there's always going to be opportunities where the devil comes to assault your character, and you just have to say, nope, I ain't going there. Huh? You know, my Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain. Think about that. To be godly huh, and to be content, the Bible says, is great gain. People are always after gain. Money is something the devil uses to destroy more people's lives. And you see it happening right now on a scale that is just absolutely on steroids. And they don't care. Because they think that this money is what's going to give them, you know, happiness or whatever it is, that, however you want to define it. And I'm telling you what, there's payday coming and it is not going to be fun. That's, that's a fact, you know. But anyway, we don't need to get off on that. So, where was I? Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good. <clears throat> Let's start with verse 19. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I probably didn't give you the chapter yet, did I? Okay. Wow, it's 8 o'clock already. Wow. Okay. 2, Corinthians, or 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, and I don't have time to get into the nevertheless. You can read the context later. The foundation of God stands sure. Woo! Glory to God. Having this seal, the Lord knows them that are his, and let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity or sin. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. Let's stop right there. 
you're going to see things in the body of Christ, and you're going to ask yourself, how in the world can they do that? With me? Just know they got some growing to do. And maybe what we need to do is pray for them. Huh? You know? We don't need to look down our nose in judgment about whoever and this, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, should they know better? Yep. Absolutely. Probably. You know, but the reality is, is that I'm not their judge. Now, I can judge righteously, you know, about what's going on. You know, from a pastoral standpoint, you know, we have to deal with all kinds of things. But, you know, we endeavor to do so biblically and fairly. You with me? In, in love. But notice here, he said that in a great house, there's all kinds of vessels, some that bring honor, some that don't. You know, there are people that are bitter, that are believers, they're Christians. But dude, I'm telling you what, you get them into an environment and they'll puke all over everything about whatever it is that they don't like. Are you with me? Well, they got some growing to do. So anyway, uh, verse 21, it says, uh, if a man therefore will purge himself from these things, that he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and uh, able or meet or prepared for the master's use, <clears throat> prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now notice this 23rd verse, this is where I was trying to get to. But foolish and unlearned questions, what's that word? What is it? Say it again. Avoid. 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 You know, husband comes home. He's in one of them moods, Mr. Moody. And he's looking for a fight. Well, the Bible says to do what? There you go. You're getting it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We're learning something tonight. We're going to what? We're going to avoid. You say, well, how do you do that? Well, let's go on reading. Praise God. Foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender or develop strifes. And a servant of the Lord, what's that next word? Yeah, probably the next two words. Must not strive. In other words, you say, I ain't going to fight with you. Okay? That makes them matter usually, okay? Because they got some kind of a bone they want to pick. Servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, able to teach, patient, patient, patient. You say, my patience is running thin. <laughs> Welcome to the party. Whom resists knowing the same afflictions or at work in your brethren that are in the world, forbearing, you know. To be patient means to be forbearing. You say, what's forbearing mean? Put up with. Yeah, I've been putting up with Joan for like 44 years. Come on. Help me, Jesus. <clears throat> I'd like to think that she's not the problem. Okay. In meekness, now notice this, verse 25, in meekness, meekness. Now, you know, a lot of times folks don't want to listen to what you have to say. Okay, well, then I guess you don't have an opportunity for conversation. But in, in, the, in the fairest way that you know how, say, you know, honey, I don't know what's going on or what, I don't know how you, how you 
couch that or, or prep it, but you say, you know, I'm not your enemy, you know? You know? That's their problem. I said, that's their problem. Don't let it become your problem. Avoid. Everybody say avoid. Yeah, this is, what, this is our word for tonight. Avoid. Okay? So in meekness, instructing those that, listen, oppose themselves. Huh? If God, preadventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Huh? Now listen to this. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of who? The who? Recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are being taken captive by him at his will. So what's happening here? When you allow yourself to get into strife, what you're doing is you're opening the door to let the devil eat your lunch. And he's got every right because you chose to go down this path. Are you with me? And so it becomes pretty important for us uh, to avoid those kinds of things. Um, <clears throat> and that, and that, that happens so often where people are concerned because it comes back to this thing that I mentioned earlier is, is that, you know, we don't want to think about the, the, the possibility that maybe the problem is with me. Huh? Well, again, I'll say this, I'll say it again, because today it's all about self, and I, I am not the problem, okay? And so the biggest problem that people have is they don't want to own their own junk. Are you with me? And I'm telling you, nobody can help them until they do. Are you with me? You know, they want to blame you. They want to blame this. They want to blame the other thing. Somebody, you know, my God, it certainly wasn't me. Well, yeah, it was. And if you would repent, if God preadventure would give you uh, repentance to the acknowledging of the truth so that you can recover yourself out of the snare of the devil that are being taken captive by him at, at his will. You, you play right into the hand of the enemy. And there's nothing anybody can do. And you'll blame everybody, blame the church, blame the preacher, bl blame somebody. And none of the stuff that you're blaming has anything to do with it. And that's not to say that, you know, in relational kinds of circumstances, there aren't two sides to the coin. But I tell you, you get a whole lot further down the road if you'd say, you know, God help me to fix me. And let, let God take care of whoever else. You'd be surprised how well that works. And guess what? We're out of time. So, what's our word? Avoid. Say that one more time. Avoid. We're going to avoid. Hallelujah. Amen? If it even smells like the devil, uh-uh, I'm out. You know? Condemnation. Oh, the devil loves to condemn people. You know, how bad you are and how worthless you are and how no good you are and how you didn't this and you, you ought to be further along. You ought to be this. You ought to be that. You see, whenever you start hearing those kinds of things, that's not God. Because the wisdom of God is first pure, peaceable, gentle, 
easy to be entreated without partiality. You know, the, the wisdom, I mean, God loves you, man. So he's not beating you up every night, talking to you about how bad you are and how you don't qualify and all that. No, dude, he's, he's saying, hey, I'm on your side. I'm for you. If I'm for you, who can be against you? Not only that, I'm in you and I'm with you. And I will strengthen you and I will help you. And I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. So if you get the negative going on, judge it, recognize it, and say, devil, I resist you in Jesus' name. You're a liar. And put a stop to it. Are you with me? And it'll bless you. Praise God. Discouragement's the same way. God doesn't discourage. God encourages, huh? He's the God of hope, huh? So if we're, if we're corkscrewing ourselves into the ground with discouragement, the help that we're getting is not coming from heaven. So what do we do? We go, oh, wait a minute, praise God, it's time for a praise break. It's time to lift up our voices and begin to praise God and thank Him for His goodness and all He's done for us. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Yes, yes praise God. Because uh, anyway, I have got to stop. Okay. Did you all get something out of this? You know, what's our word? Avoid. Avoid. Hallelujah. Glory be to God forevermore. We're just going to avoid. Avoid, 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 avoid. You say, well, I can't always do that. Well, um, do the best you can. You know, as much as lies within you, live peaceably with all men. Amen. You know. Amen. Perfect. Tyler, let's everybody stand. You know, when you start playing the music, that means. <laughs> let's commit this word to our, to our Heavenly Father, to our hearts. Father, we thank you tonight for your living word. We thank you for the truth that's found therein. And Father, you haven't left us without hope. You haven't left us without encouragement. Father God, you've given us everything we need. So we rejoice in you. We thank you for your blessing. Teach us, Father God, those things that we need to know so that we avoid the enemy's snare. And Father God, I just thank you that in so doing that your blessing, hallelujah, will rest on every individual and every home and every family and that your grace, Father, will abound toward each and every one of them. And I thank you, Father God, for helping them to commit this word to their heart. That, Father, they will avoid all appearance of evil. That they will resist the temptations, Father, that Satan brings to cause destruction. And I just thank you, Lord, for your wonderful grace in every person's life. In Jesus' name.